Hello Magic Seekers and welcome to Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts Tracy and Shannon and, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast coven. beautiful podcast coven and I'm so happy to be back with you this week for another episode of Turns Out She's a Witch with our very lovely Laura. Hi everybody. And we have another amazing guest in store for you today joining us all the way from the UK. She's a yoga and meditation teacher who has been practicing yoga since she was just seven years old. This incredible woman also has a background in science. She holds an MSc in psychology and neuroscience and has studied at Bath, Exeter and Harvard University. She's the author of Yoga for Witches, Yin Magic, and her brand new book is due for release in March next year, Kitchen Witch, Food, Folklore and Fairy Tale. She loves weaving her love of all things mythic, magic and goddess and is passionate about creating work that inspires and transforms. Through yoga, meditation and ritual, she aims to help everyone connect to their own unique magic and inner power. I am so excited to introduce to our podcast coven, Sarah Robinson. I am so excited too. Hello, hello, lovelies. (laughs) Oh, it's just, yeah, thrilled to have you on and I just can't wait to share all this juicy wisdom with everybody, that's for sure. What a juicy title of the upcoming book too. I'm so excited. I'm I'm really excited. And I'm sure I say it about every book, you know, as it's coming out, but it's like, this is this is my favorite. I you know I shouldn't play favorites with my books, <laughs> like my children, but uh, I am super excited about this one. It is so full of 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 food sumptuousness. And I love me some food, so me too. <laughs> Same <exciting>. yeah. <laughs> Same yeah. And the title is just beautiful. It's, yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to catch a lot of people's eyes with that one. The juicy and, title. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> and we were just talking off air as well about um, the pre-release has just opened today and it is open until the 2nd of March. Yeah, so there's a nice amount of time where people can pre-order the book, which is where you kind of pay up front for the book to sort of show your support. But it also means um, with Womancraft, as I'm sure Lucy has mentioned when she was on um we offer kind of free goodies and, you know, uh, some exciting things for everyone who wants to pre-order the books as, as a huge thank you for supporting supporting us and the book. So it's quite a fun time because we kind of, the authors all kind of create these fun things to kind of send out to people. So it's a lot of fun. So cool. I love that whole industry that you guys are creating. It's just beautiful. Mm. You know, Womancraft is, is such a a very special obviously very special to me publishing house but um we really work hard in kind of offering beautiful things to our readers and things that are going to support them on their journey as well as the books so yep. you know you'll find yep. you know especially with the pre-orders there's things like meditations there's ebooks uh we've created these beautiful kind of readers we call them which is where we kind of bring together different works from the different authors and lucy kind oh, of weaves it all nice. together to sort yeah. of to to show how you know you can support these different themes and things so it's uh 
it's lovely. It's lovely to be part of it. We, I feel like mm-hmm. we, you know, we're always creating something that, that's really special for people and our readers, and and, and thanking them, you know, a lot. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot yeah. of gratitude I, and love. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's I amazing. Mean, <laughs> yeah, same, same here. <laughs> and of course, we loved Lucy. You know, that was amazing. Mm, she is amazing with her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you're located in Bath in England and it is such a beautiful place with such a rich history. I had the honour of visiting back in 2018. Um, So what's it like to live there and the connection with the goddess Sulis? Yeah, how is it creating in in that area? I always get terribly overexcited when people say they're either visiting Bath or they've been to Bath. I'm like, oh my gosh, isn't it wonderful? You know, so I kind of get a bit bit beside myself when people come to visit. Um, but it is it is a beautiful place. Uh, there's a real, as you say, the history, and you get a real sense of it when you're in the city, especially if you're in winter, if you're anywhere near the Roman baths, you know, the, the steam is kind of pluming out of the, the waters and you can kind of see it drifting mm. around. And it's a, just a tiny sense of that uh, magicness that, that our ancestors found. You know, it was, um, I think the Celts first found the kind of the sacred hot springs of Bath. And then when the Romans came, they they bought their kind of goddesses and they did that wonderful thing of uh, weaving together the Celtic goddess Sulis and their goddess of wisdom Minerva and created Sulis Minerva and the bath was called Aquae Sulis, the waters of Sulis. So they sort of kind of wove together the myth and the magic of the place, um, which is, is, is lovely. And it's a lovely reminder of England and, and the British Isles in general. We have this wonderful woven history of Celtic, Pagan, Roman, Anglo-Saxon, Norse, and you can kind of see it in certain places really, you can see how it all kind of is woven together and it's this beautiful blend of different histories and, and cultures which is uh, which is gorgeous and, it, and it's lovely to see those little kind of, you know, there's the Sulis Minerva statue in the, the Roman Baths Museum, there's a little um, carved tablet to the goddess Nematoma, there's um oh god there's this is like a hot bath for horses which is kind of oh, wow. makes goddess Epona and she you know she sacred horses so I know that one's a bit of a off the wall one but I, I love it <laughs> these little whispers it's these little whispers of um sacredness um which is is lovely um so yes Bath is a very a very lovely and the beautiful literary history you know Jane Austen and, and Mary Shelley wrote books in Bath so that's inspirational from a different time as well women writing books always good <laughs> yeah absolutely Oh, I'm, I'm the proud owner of a little bottle of bath water from the gift <gasps> shop. I've done the touristy thing. and <laughs> but That's the way to do it. Me. Have it in a bottle and have it on a shelf. Don't don't drink it because they invite <laughs> no. you to drink it and it's the worst. Um, <laughs> so, But it's, you know, not very much like um, people will get water from the Glastonbury um the springs, a, gla- a chalice well, that's what I'm thinking yes. of. Um, the chalice well water from Glastonbury. And it, it's a similar thing and you know in ancient times people came to bath to take that water as healing so it's it's a lovely little mm-hmm. talisman so yeah good good call good call <laughs> i have drunk from the red well in the in glastonbury and oh, it tasted yes. very funky <laughs> it was unusual <laughs> i think there's a kind of a spectrum kind of the red well is like very irony and then yes. the, the, the bath stuff it's it's very sulfurous so it does just taste like boiled egg it's so oh, oh gosh it's so not well it is magic it's very healing but it doesn't feel very magical because it's like oh this is gross so 
Now I always have a, a question that I love to ask all of our guests and it is, what does the word witch mean to you? Ooh, and it's a, what a question. Like it's such a big question. Um, even, uh, I know, uh, guests have said this before. It's really great. You get the, the questions beforehand. So you have time to ponder it, but <laughs> sometimes it doesn't even make it any easier. And I think with the word, witch, maybe that's, uh, it's so many things, uh, you know, the word, which is, is such a powerful word. It has been woven through, you know, fairy tale folklore. It exists in the world of fiction, in the world of superstition, in, you know, the real world, as you might call it. Um, but just for me, I suppose, um, the, I wrote down a little bit from the new book, actually. Um, oh, perfect. I think, oh, uh, we have the freedom, sorry, I'm just going to add a little bit. We have the freedom, you know, in today's world to take this word witch and embrace new ideas and see the witch as a pathway to possibilities. And if to be a witch is a path you seek, remember the history upon which you walk, respect it and take joy that this path is here for you. You have every right to occupy it. Mm. Um, so just, a, you know, it's it's Love it's been that. a lot of things. It's a, it's a controversial word, but... Um, how beautiful it is that now in you know today we can we can take that word and we can claim it and make it something more not more but uh we can make something beautiful from what is a, a very checkered past I think yeah absolutely that's so true so your first book is Yoga for Witches and as someone who loves both yoga and witchcraft, I really loved this one and especially the way you explore how intertwined yoga and witchcraft are energetically. And when did you first notice those common threads that joined the two? Um, so you mentioned I started yoga when I was about seven and not by my own wise choice or anything. My mum literally just took me to a kid's yoga, yoga class. <laughs> um, to do that. Yeah. She was, it's so funny because my my mum is is not, is, is quite a, I don't know what the word is, quite a traditional mum. And I think she just kind uh -huh. of, whatever was nearby, she just kind of threw me in without really thinking about <laughs> it, which is, it's funny looking back because, yep. you know, I did yoga. Sounds great. I, yeah. <laughs> was, you know, I was involved in various kind of folklore groups and things and it just kind of, it worked out beautifully, but I, I'm sure it was the universe and, you know, yes. and I'm obviously yeah. grateful that she kind of threw me into these places. Um, uh, so age seven, I started yoga, uh, and kind of at the same time, there was this kind of, this world of kind of paganism that I, I was in a kind of a kids club that was a pagan kids club as well, which was, was not, it wasn't kind of like a witchcraft group as such, although, you know, it sounds cooler to say that, but, um, it's very much about respecting the earth and in, enjoying nature. And so kind of age seven, in a way, it was a really good age that I was kind of, I was playing around with meditation, rituals, you know, manifestation, and young enough that I had no preconceived ideas. I wasn't particularly interested in following any rules. So it was, it was play at that age. And I think actually that's a really nice way to look at it, to kind of, to come at it from a kind of a beginner's mind and just kind of play around with these ideas. And not that I had any wherewithal at this age. It wasn't like I thought, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create these foundations, and then 30 years from now, I'm gonna run. But I mean, I, obviously, I had no idea of that. You're absorbing um, all of that. Yeah, I was absorbing it, and I just, I was following things that kind of 
excited me. So, you know, the little crystals and the little kind of beautiful little um, spell books and, and beautiful music and things. So I was just kind of, I just enjoyed and kind of followed these little paths that, that I found kind of inspiring and kind of, so unbeknownst to me, the journey started a very, a very long time ago and it just took me 30 years or so to, um, to figure it all out, which is fine. It, I needed that time clearly to, to, <laughs> to put it all together in my head. <laughs> and I also love how you make the connection between hedge witch or hedge writing and meditation. And can you talk to our mm. listeners about this? Yeah. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> first. Um, and so we're kind of back in a way to that idea of kind of practices kind of being linked or woven together, like in the way that kind of the Romans and the Celts all kind of brought their, their myth and magic and ritual together in different ways. And um, with Hedgewitch, uh, so Hedgewitch can mean many things and kind of different things to different people. But to, to me, a Hedgewitch is very much someone who lives um, in a liminal space and there's this sense of uh, her or them being kind of on the edges in some way. So it might be in a societal sense. Um, so often it was kind of the the old wise woman and, uh, or she might be kind of a little bit, little spooky. Some of the kids, you know, the village kids might be a little bit scared of us. So she's a little kind of on the edge or physically on the edge, you know, at the edge of the village. Um, so she kind of exists in this kind of edge world, but she's also the hedge witch is one who rides the the hedges the edges of kind of consciousness which is is very much like meditation you know we might call mm. this idea of the edges like uh shamanism uh astral projection meditation transcendental meditation so there's a, there's a lot of different words for something that's not not that dissimilar in different cultures practice and um to cross over into a place kind of beyond beyond the kind of the here and now, the kind of the present moment. Um, and the hedge witch might do this for inspiration, for insights, for some kind of seeing, um, foresight, um, and, and very much like um, the ancient yogis, the shamans. Um, so it's this lovely idea that that idea of crossing over is, is something we've practiced through cultures, through generations and... Uh, it's always nice to see those connections because it reminds us that actually we're mainly all kind of seeking the same thing. Um, we, you know, we find different ways to do it. We call these things different things, but we're all we're all seeking that connection. We're all seeking harmony or space to address to address fears or anxieties or anger. Um, so it's always nice to be reminded. You know, we're 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 more. How does the saying go? We're we're more similar than we are different that's not the right word that's not very poetic but you know <laughs> I've ruined it I've ruined it at the end <laughs> there is more that connects us than sets us apart is that yeah. it there's a there's a saying and it's nice and I've ruined it because I can't remember it but um <laughs> you haven't at all <laughs> but, uh, but yes it's it's those ideas that you kind of see these things pop up in different cultures and, and that was really nice to explore mm. as kind of my way of sort of kind of celebrating the, the practice of yoga and this practice of the East, which I love and I've been part of for a long time, but is not mine. It's not my culture. So it's kind of celebrating and honoring that and then exploring how it can connect to more of my native culture in a way that's kind of like, let's start this conversation. You know, how can these things be similar? How can they support each other? 
these are beautiful, you know, ancient practices in their own right. But to me, as a modern day woman, how might I embrace these in a way, you know, in a way that that is is practical, practical magic for me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I can totally resonate with, yeah, you're talking about those threads between so many cultures with meditation it might not be called Mm. that but it is that other space isn't it where we can connect with our higher selves and higher realms and yeah it's that's a big topic that one we could go right into that I think (laughs) it's beautiful when you can blend and fuse different cultures together and and like you said what what we all find commonality in one another we call different things but you know at its heart it shares the same elements it's it's all the same yeah, absolutely. We're all seeking to do the same thing. So it's uh, in connecting and, and learning through each other. You know, we can support that and, and honour that, which is really nice. Mm. And I also absolutely love how you have a chapter dedicated to earth magic. And this quote really resonated for me. Often we can be so focused on what lies beyond us, the sun, moon and stars, we forget what lies beneath us, the earth. So if we want to delve deeper into earth magic, what are some related topics that we can explore? Um, So I'm glad you liked the bit about earth magic. As a a Libra myself and a very kind of airy kind of personality, you know, I've always got a hundred different thoughts floating around. I'm easily distracted. I'm terrible at answering a question because I've kind of, by the time I start talking, I've forgotten what the question is. Guilty also. (laughs) (laughs) So I have this very scattered mind. So the idea of grounding is, is... is super important to me personally. Um, um, but what I really love about finding connection with the earth is how easy we can make it. Um, you know, it can be as simple as taking off our shoes and walking upon the earth, <clears throat> excuse me, um, upon, you know, getting our feet in the sand or on the grass, uh, or, you know, using, uh, getting out in nature and using mindfully foraged items, you know, sticks and stones and seeds. We can use them as part of our meditation or our journaling practice, or, you know, you see people creating these beautiful kind of altars upon, upon the earth, just with kind of pine cones and beautiful leaves, um, physically getting down on the ground in yoga practice, uh, it's one of those funny things when you talk about sort of walking on the earth barefoot or lying on the ground, we can go months without doing that. And you kind of don't really mm. think about it. And, uh, you know, so kids, you know, babies, are, you know, they're always kind of sat upon the earth and lying around what? on the ground. But it, yeah, they, they know. Um, but as adults, it can be easy to kind of forget these simple things. Um, so what I like about connecting to the idea of earth magic and grounding is that it is, in a sense, incredibly simple, like, uh, it, it couldn't be simpler just to, to, to connect to the earth and take off our shoes. Um, but it's no less powerful for that. The, you know, the earth it is such power that we can connect to and, and it doesn't always have to be something complex. Sometimes it can just be that reminder to, to come to ground, to, to take a seat and to kind of settle upon the earth. And uh, that's great. It means there's no, there's no barriers for anyone to do it, which is, mm. is always wonderful. You know, um, everyone can do it. <laughs> Obviously, I suppose everyone is upon the earth, so we can we can all do it. And I think, again, it's that idea that we can all practice this and we can all connect to it in our, in our own beautiful way. 
Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, that resonates. Remember to. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the thing. It's just it's remembering in in various ways. Remembering why we do this. Remembering how we do it. Remembering the beauty of it. And it is easy forget to forget when we're kind of rushing around in in cities and things. And um, yeah, sometimes it can just be that kind of that powerful idea of just kind of taking a pause and taking that time but reminders are always useful whether that's whether that's a book or a meditation or a, or a class that you take so the reminders are good <laughs> and it really I think brings you into the present moment doesn't it when you're taking that time consciously to to stop and yeah put your bare feet on the ground and notice things mm-hmm. around you that as you say when you're too busy you're kind of walking around with your head down not looking at the sky and not looking at what's around you and taking notice of nature and yeah, I think it's a beautiful reminder for everyone mm. to just stop, stop and notice where you are. Yeah, stop and smell the roses. Yeah, <laughs> if you're fortunate enough to have roses, which now yes, is. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's got beautiful roses in her garden. <laughs> we do, we inherited them when we moved here. So I'm doing my best to look after them. Yeah. <laughs> And also in your second book, Yin Magic, um, it is such an in-depth exploration connecting, you know, the Celtic to the witch and Chinese medicine traditions. And I really think we'll have to get you back on next year uh, to delve into all of this further because that's like a whole topic by itself. Yeah, but one you thing can that really dig in. Oh, absolutely. But one thing that really caught my eye within the first few pages of reading that book is the scared to be still section. Mm. And I feel this is something that so many of us can relate to within this modern world. And it's also something that I really struggle with personally is how to learn to do nothing and to consciously slow down. I'm Mm. someone who always has to be doing and creating. And if I'm not, I kind of get a bit antsy, like, this, this energy that, you know, I could be using in other ways rather than just being. <laughs> so that's something I work on personally. So I would love to, um, yeah, hear more about your techniques of how, yeah, how to do that. Yeah. Um, so the the book Ian Magic actually came out of Yoga for Witches because it was a, a chapter that got too big. It had to be its own book. Yeah. So it's, you know, as you say, it's kind of an, a whole thing in itself. It's like, yeah, that's exactly exactly what happened. Um, uh, and uh, for those who haven't read the book, I kind of I start the book uh, with these kind of little snippets, these little stories of various classes I've taught over the years, and kind of what what happens uh, with people who really don't don't want anything to do with letting go or being still basically so there's some kind of funny stories about people who are kind of like oh heavens no I don't want to do this class but horror of it all but um they're kind of funny little stories but you know people do really have some really interesting reactions to to the idea and the invitation of of slowing down being still doing nothing in a sense um so that's kind of a I think it's kind of a fun way to start and a kind of reminder that uh like you you guys you know this is something most of us have trouble with so it's it is certainly not uh unique it's kind of we, you know we've we've grown up in a, in a society that suggests yeah. that that we, if we do nothing we're we're lazy we're useless we're not mm. achieving things we are so true. doomed to fail you know all these yeah. kind of these uh ingrained messages of sort of the the, the terribleness of being idle you know it's, mm. it's an awful so 
it is hard. Um, even when we kind of, if we're a bit further along the path and we kind of know that that it's, it could be beneficial for us, it, it's it's hard to kind of unpick all of that kind of conditioning of many years. So it, it is not an easy path. And um, again, like earth, earth magic, I suppose some of the, the most powerful tools uh, can be the simplest. And obviously I would say yin yoga <laughs> is obviously the first one I'd say because uh, I teach it and I love it. Um, yin yoga is really useful because it kind of invites you to take that time to, to settle into kind of simple poses um, and meditation and you know with a teacher it's kind of someone is talking through it you know how how are we letting go what can we kind of focus on to help us begin to kind of still the mind and still the body um, but also finding stillness just in your own way so kind of stillness of mind so you might find tai chi or mindful walking helps you kind of still still your mind and uh you know, sitting in the garden and just kind of taking stillness and just kind of observing the sights and smells around you, uh, the sun on your skin and uh, simple practices like that can just kind of help us build this toolbox of uh, of finding our own stillness, you know, our own place of calm, um, whether that's meditation or breathing exercises or, or walking or gardening or knitting or you know whatever it is that helps you slow down and find a certain stillness even if it's not total stillness mm. it's still kind of working towards that idea um to, to help you slow down and find stillness and again it's that kind of it's a simple idea but just you know just because it's simple doesn't mean it's a not very powerful <laughs> and, and b not you know it's not easy uh, and some people you know have real trouble and, and I think we all have trouble with it at some point and we just can't can't slow down so that's why um you know those varied practices are really useful and also just to yeah just to remind ourselves this is not this is not easy just because it's simple it's not necessarily easy so it's uh it's a path <laughs> make it a is. plan to slow down <laughs> yes yeah having that toolbox uh of different ideas going to classes where a teacher can guide you through um you know having those ideas so you know when you kind of be feeling you know, overwhelmed or just kind of really rushed. It's like, okay, I can uh, take 10 minutes to do this activity that I, you know, I'm working with or, so it's, 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 yeah, making a plan. That's a good idea. A plan, a list is good. Remedies. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, exactly. So. I've I've found personally with yoga in the past, um, I actually only just tried yin about a year ago, would you believe? I've I've done uh, Hatha, for years, like since I was 20, but um, yeah, I'd always been one of those people that was like, I'm not doing yin yoga. <laughs> like, I got no time for that. But I went to a women's retreat and I loved it. Like, I absolutely loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been missing out on this for so long. It was beautiful. It was such a beautiful experience. Um, yeah, to be put in those poses, those postures, and to just relax. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think feeling it is a great, is it, you know, because you kind of, I've said this before, I think to, to somebody, you know, it's like, you know, yin does not look exciting. It looks, you know, no. it's not like Instagram <laughs> yoga. Yeah. It doesn't look like much is going on. And that's kind of the point. So when you're, you're in it and you're there and you're feeling it, you're like, oh, and you kind of, it's like, you get it when, uh, when you're in it, but also, also yin, yin yoga is incredibly new kind of practice mm-hmm. as it is you know it's uh 20 30 years old maybe so it's okay. it's not um not been around that long um 
but it, it's but it's fascinating the way that uh, these different strands of yoga have kind of appeared out of kind of necessity perhaps and kind of what society needs and I I think it's very interesting that there are more and more kind of yin style practices appearing because I personally believe there's more yin because we live increasingly more yang lives you know we need that balance so you'll find there's more teachers teaching yin there's more yin classes available maybe we crave yin yoga a little bit more especially if we do it for the first time and kind of enjoy it so it's uh it's a lovely counter to the very yang lives that we live. So, you know, it's a, a beautiful, it's that yin-yang symbol, you know, finding that balance. <laughs> mm. And for any of our listeners that are unaware of like what yin and yang are in its essence, mm-hmm. are you able to explain that? Sure. Um, so most of us have seen, I think, the, the yin and yang symbol, which is the circle and then there's the little kind of spiral of the black and the white and the little dot in, in either side. And it is... That symbol kind of represents uh, a whole Chinese philosophy of all things kind of holding energy of some kind, which interestingly connects to animism and paganism, but I'm not going to digress into that too much. But it's this idea that all things have energy and it's never kind of just completely binary. Things have different kinds of energy, Um, but some things are yin, they are... Uh, considered to be kind of still and dark and quiet and things that are yang are things that are light and bright and dynamic so for example kind of the sun and the moon are yang and yin Um, if you were doing a kind of a, a vigorous dynamic yoga class you might consider that to be a very yang yoga class and in contrast the yin yoga is very still very slow you settle into a pose and you're there for several minutes and it's a chance to really come to stillness so the yin and the yang are the two opposing forces and then the the path as it were which is sometimes known as the tao um is is finding the harmony and the balance between the two and it's kind of a you know it's it's a constant path it's a constant journey to find that equilibrium between these two elements and and people that are very active, very dynamic, very yang can often kind of, you know, literally burn out or, you know, become overwhelmed, become very stressed. Um, so it's that kind of, in a, in a way, an antidote to, to very rushed and stressful lives, um, which I know is something that, that many of us work with in different ways. Um, so the yin and the yang is uh, opposing energies and finding the harmony between the two, which I think was the question that you asked, but I've already forgotten. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, no, thank you. And I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that beautiful yeah, analogy. I love it. And as we spoke about earlier, you've got your brand new book coming out. And I'm just going to say the title again because I love it. Yes, so please. Kitchen Witch, Food, Folklore and Fairy Tales. So can you share with us the essence of this book? What's it going to be about? Yes, I can share with you the essence. I'm so excited about this book. Um, and the the pre-orders opened today. So I'm kind of, I'm extra hyped on excitement because yeah. it's we like, yeah. you had a good time to talk about it. We did. Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. um, so I've got the um, the back, kind of the, the text and the, the back cover, which I'll, I'll read to you because it kind of summarises, I think, kind of, there's a lot going on, but I'll try and summarise uh, 
Welcome to a place of great magic, the kitchen. Within this book, you'll find no recipes, but something cooked up just for you. You'll find stories, stories of magic, healing and hearth, of feasts and fasts and fairy tales, of poisoned apples, bewitching gingerbread and seeing the future in a teacup. Magic, superstition, cooking and food rituals have been intertwined both in history and law since the beginning of humankind. This book is an exploration of that history, culture and philosophy. And those skilled with food, healing and nourishing, herbalists, wise women, cooks, cunning folk, and the name that they will come to bear, witch. This book is an invitation to see the magic in every corner of your kitchen, to remember the superstitions about fairies who like butter, to watch the fruits of each season ripen, to see the healing potential in herbs and plants. With the kitchen which, as our guide, will explore food, nature, magic and transformation, will seek what the name of kitchen witch could mean to us in a modern interpretations of ancient practices and the many stories that make up part of the magic and heritage of what a kitchen witch can be. May this book of stories and ideas show that there is magic in the mundane, witchcraft within your walls, and the goddess really is in the details. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Please. Sign me up. I want yeah. a few copies. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm excited. That sounds I'm absolutely divine. Very excited. <laughs> you should be. Wow. How, how much uh, time and research did you do uh, for this book? It sounds loaded with, with mm -hmm. stories, obviously, um, Captain Obvious Statement there, but lots of stuff that you would have had amazing times reading up and researching and weaving all together. Such an amazing time journeying with it. It's by far the biggest book I've ever written. I think it's twice or three times the size of the other books. Um, wow. And it, you know, and it's just such, you know, food is so universal and so primal that there's just such a wealth. And, and there were, yeah. you know, times where I was just completely overwhelmed. It's like, I'm never going to get all of these great stories in because there's just there's so many. Um <laughs> So, and Lucy had to kind of really, really kind of cut it down at various points. Cut it's like, off. this is, yeah, exactly. This book is ludicrously long. We've got to do some things here. Uh, and I'm like, no, but this fairy tale, I want to, you know, but obviously we, we, we work, we worked well together and sorted it out. So it's not just the world's largest book, but, um, <laughs> but it was, it was just gorgeous. I loved it. There was so many ways to go with kind of the history and beautiful old, I had such a wild time looking through all the kind of ancient cook, cookery books mm, and, you know, oh ancient carvings and uh, just how how important and sacred food is and has been and this beautiful history that kind of, you know, with with kitchen, which is a, is a term, as a kind of a, a path of witchcraft that some follow, it's kind of, there's not kind of one lineage, there's not kind of one history, but there is just this beautiful wealth of glorious food magic and ritual that people are drawing from. So it's kind of like, here's just some of the glorious magic that that went into the foundations of the magic of the kitchen in, in the day-to-day -day now. And uh, let's have fun and explore those stories. <laughs> so, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, it was glorious it, there were moments where it just seemed too big and I had some minor meltdowns, but ultimately <laughs> it was a glorious, glorious journey. <laughs> well oh, done, sounds... you. Yeah, maybe there's areas. 
kitchen, yes, herb garden. That's where you'll find me. They're my happy places. <laughs> it's so uh, part of the book is that it's so deeply woven into kind of women's history as well you know for a very long time women were the nourishers the nurturers we were the ones in the kitchen we were the ones doing the the growing of all the you know the grains and the herbs so it's kind of there's something really beautiful about again that idea of remembering like it's so Mm. ancient that women were the ones who did this beautiful work and and in sacred ways and offered up food in ritual and burned herbs to purify their homes so it's so it's such a glorious history um and it's not all good uh you know some of the history is 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 very challenging so it's uh it's certainly it's 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 both you know I, I, I try and cover an even an even history as much as I can but um but yeah things today like those simple pleasures of kind of picking our own herbs and tending our roses mm. in the garden and it's just oh, so beautiful <laughs> sure is oh. oh love it and I did notice on your website blog you've got some beautiful little snippets about the kitchen witch book and I couldn't help but notice the beer goddesses. So please tell us more. <laughs> I didn't so this know there was just, such a thing, but I oh love my God. it. <laughs> it's wonderful. And this is just an example of like looking back into the history and being like, wow, this is so cool and so <laughs> beautiful. Um, so particularly, I think in that blog post, I share the what's known as the, the hymn to Ninkazi. And Ninkazi was the ancient Mesopotamian goddess of beer and brewing. Um, And there's this amazing kind of uh, cuneiform tablets, one of the kind of oldest forms of writing. So it is ancient, ancient, ancient. Um, And there's this amazing, so the the hymn is kind of, it's a, you can almost imagine that the the priestesses and the wise women who were brewing this beer were kind of singing this song as they went, because it was kind of a hymn, it was a song, but it's also practically it's the you know the actual recipe of, of kind of doing it but um it, the ninkazi you can kind of get a sense of what she represented you know she was within the hymn she is the foam of the beer she's the sparkle of the fermenting process she's the the kind of the rise and the fall of the the yeast and the water and uh, you get a real sense of how sacred how sacred beer was it was both a form of nourishment it was a way to make uh, safe something safe to drink. Um, this beer was kind of created for Ninkazi, with Ninkazi, as an offering to Ninkazi. And it was it was the women, because this was, you know, this was the, the kitchen realm. So that it was it was women and priestesses who had this, this task of creating this beer in her honor. And, and that actually runs through um, from ancient Mesopotamia to ancient Egypt. Uh, there's also Norse and Celtic beer goddesses. So for a very long time, there's this whole trend of the deities of, of beer and brewing being women. And, and there's lots of beautiful stories. Um, and actually the myth kind of runs into history as well within uh, medieval and early modern England we have a group of women known as the alewives and they were the women who who were doing this at home in their cauldrons uh, they were brewing brewing beer um, because it was part of the you know the nourishing process they did this for their homes for their menfolk for to sell a little if they could make a little extra money um, so it's a beautiful story that uh, 
the feminine and beer were once very much intertwined and then kind of the modern world came along and and, and they were kind of pulled apart which is it's quite mm. sad but um it's like coming back together a bit now we have many very fine women brewers in some kind of uh, quite high up roles which is nice um so the story you know it's been it's ancient it's so ancient that the women and goddesses and beer and uh, <laughs> the Himton in Kazi is just a joy and so to to include that was really fun and to kind of remind us how special these things are you know it's mm. uh, sometimes we'll just we'll drink a beer or or a coffee or whatever and we kind of forget how how precious these things were you know they were certainly with beer you know it was fundamental to survival that these these people had beer uh, as, a, as a nourishment and a safe drink so it's uh, that is reflected in the fact that you have these gorgeous deities to kind of look over and watch over this uh, this very important substance Mm. I'm never going to look at beer the same way. I know. I was just that was awesome. looking at it, what it means. And would they have referred to it as ale or beer or mead? I, I mentioned this in the, in the book somewhere and I forget now because it's. I think uh, a brewer would be horrified with me because I think beer and <laughs> ale are slightly different, yeah. um, sure. but they have been used kind of intertwined and, and certainly – in the very ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia, beer, it was not like we have it today. You know, it was it was it was kind of made with kind of bread yeast, so it was very lumpy. Yeah. It was almost like a porridge, which again is why it was oh, wow. it was very nourishing. You know, it was kind yeah. of was kind of like a yeah, it's like a slightly boozy porridgey drink wow. sort of thing. And they, they would drink it with straws. There's some great, there's some carvings, I think, of in ancient Egypt of women with these kind of long straws, kind of sipping this this beer. Um so it was sort of um it was very different to how, how we know it today. And that's yeah. uh, kind of, it's true of a lot of the, a lot of the booze that I talk about in the book. So whiskey as well is the one that I, I love. I'm a big fan of whiskey. And, yeah. Oh, so um, am I, I do share. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. The whiskey section, honestly, like, again, I had this dream that I would write this whole book about the, the magic of whiskey and the kind of the history. And it is, oh, it's divine. It's so good. Um, <laughs> but there's this whole, these little realms that we kind of don't even think about that, um, so in the very beginning kind of distillation process and the kind of, it was known as the, the water of life. Um, so it was kind of a, a very early form of, of a kind of distillate. So it's kind of somewhere between kind of uh, vodka and whiskey and not at all how we would know it today, but we kind of just kind of group it into these kind of early forms. Um, and in, in Gaelic, water of life is whiskey better. Uh, so whiskey is okay. the, the bit that becomes whiskey. Um, ah. But there's, uh, again, so many amazing stories. Like I can barely contain my excitement for all the stories. Um, <laughs> but there are stories about um, particular members of the royal household who are found with whiskey in their stores. And and uh, and that that made them suspect of witchcraft because it's like, why Ooh. do you have this, these, these whiskeys? You know, is, is that for a, a potion or is this alchemy? And yeah. so there's some fantastic stories about... Um, whiskey being considered sort of uh, connected to witchcraft there's some beautiful kind of stories of superstitions about what's known as the angel share which is when whiskey is distilling um some of the liquid kind of rises up through the the porous wood of the barrels uh, and it's said that the kind of that bit that kind of escapes it goes up to the angels and it's just yeah. So many beautiful stories. Um, so the whiskey section is a delight, as well as the beer section. Um, there, 
yeah, there's other stories about other food. It's not all booze, but um, <laughs> I did get a bit overexcited about the booze bit, I have to say. But um, hopefully you'll, you'll you'll understand when you see the book, like the stories are just so fun. And um, again, it's that idea of things we kind of see, maybe not every day, we might not see whiskey every day, but um, part of this, the story makes it a little bit more magical. It brings this enchantment to these day-to-day things and uh, and that's lovely. So that's very exciting. Sure. I think that's what we're missing in this modern world is story. And I love that you're yeah. creating this, this book that's sharing all of these old stories and these wisdoms and folklore. And it's so yeah. beautiful. It sounds like it's a been, big fairy tale book for adults. It, it is actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fairy tales for adults. That's the love it. And also just the yeah, exploring all the all the things we used to you know, we used to use story and, and superstition to sort of address things like our our mm. fears. You know, we had real fear about um, illness or severe weather. And you see that fear within uh, fairy tales about superstitions, about kind of witches raising storms and souring mm. butter and ruining food and, and stealing babies. That was a good one that they always said the witches would do. But it's yeah. it's all people's greatest fears. And you can you can really get a sense of who we were again not so very different to to who we are now we still have pretty much all those fears although we don't blame witches for that anymore but um it reminds us that we're kind of those primal fears those primal hopes those primal dreams that we kind of we wove them all into story and myth and legend and uh, it's beautiful to connect and remember remember that Mm. oh I cannot wait to get my hands on that book (laughs) And is there any particular quote that resonates with you deeply and would you mind reading it to our listeners? And this can be from your work or from someone else that inspires you. This is a good one because I was like, is it, am I just a knob if I write my, read my own work? You know, I don't know. But, but actually, not at all. I say that for the longest time. What a knob. Um, <laughs> it might be more of an English thing, but it's the same. No, like, I love <laughs> I'm just going to read you some of my own fine work. No, I'm going to I'm going to read you something. Uh, there's a, a woman called Terry Windling who is a a storyteller, a folklorist, and she has just the most amazing way with words. And I actually included this quote in Kitchen Witch, but actually I think it kind of it connects to a lot of things that I like to write about. So um, it's quite short. Um, words can be strong medicine. Stories can touch our hearts and souls, and they can point us. They can point the way to healing and transformation. Our own lives are stories that we write from day to day. They are journeys through the dark of the fairy tale woods. The tales of previous travelers through the woods are passed down to us in poetic, symbolic language of folklore and myth. Where we step, someone has stepped before and their stories can help light the way. So, so that was the, it was very much that when I was sharing the fairy tales and the folklore, it's kind of reminding us of the people who have walked walked this way before. Um, so mm. that was a, a good guiding light for, for this book. But I suppose when I look back, it's that idea of words being strong medicine. And uh, hopefully in all my books, I can not offer up medicine maybe, but ideas, ideas and inspiration. Absolutely. Mm. Medicine for the mind. 
And I think that's going back to what Shannon said before about that's what we're missing today, um, stories. And especially, again, Shannon, when you were likening Sarah's new book to a fairy tale book for adults, that's exactly mm. what we need. Um, children mm. grow up with fables and they learn important life lessons and perspectives from really amazing stories. And as adults, we don't, um, we don't. <laughs> we don't mm. have that there's certainly yes those there. things that kind of stay with us um you know we all remember that you know there's like sayings and, and ideas like uh, you know you, you kiss a few frogs to find your prince and uh and, and that kind of we hold that with us for for whatever reason these little kind of these little snippets kind of stay with us and they they journey through through families through cultures um because they're powerful. Um, mm. And in, in that way, very similar to the idea of the witch, I suppose, because she has endured many centuries. and uh, Some good, some bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's uh, it's part of these certain ideas that for whatever reason really kind of connect to us in some way. They make us feel something, whether that's good or bad. And, and we carry that through and then it kind of, it almost kind of, you know, it travels the world. So all people, not all people, but many people, when you say the word witch, you you know you have an image in your mind. You you know what that is within your mind and memory. And and then when you say, you know, a pumpkin made into a carriage, you know exactly what that is. And a, a glass mm. slipper and a, a fairy godmother. And so, not that they're all within the same realms. You know, some are completely fiction. Some are yeah. kind of within history. But it's uh, just certain things stay with us because because they matter because they have power in some way. So finding mm. those things is is. Uh, it's great fun. Yeah. Well, as you said before, that magic in the mundane, isn't it? It's, mm, exactly yeah. so. Beautiful. Oh, well, on the <laughs> podcast, I'm just loving this. I know. It's such chat. a delight. <laughs> so on the podcast each week we have a divine tool of the week where we share something that we love to use in ritual. Um, so, yeah, do you have anything that you particularly love to work with? So I <laughs> trying to think of something again but could I think of something clever um but actually um I was listening to your podcast with I think it was Jane it was the most recent one yes and she spoke about um kind of inviting in the goddess and I thought god that's that's absolutely perfect because uh the best kind of tools and gifts we can use are nothing that you need to buy nothing you need to mm. you know it's things that are already kind of there and available to you so for me in you know the classes I teach and how easeful I like to make the classes uh, sort of in in honor of kind of yin and embracing yin um I love to work with ritual at nighttime and with the new moon so kind of the the new moon night I suppose is, is a, a tool as such yeah. but a companion I suppose a companion to to invite us to take time in in the dark, in the quiet, and allowing it to support us and hold us for healing or quiet reflection, um, and it's there for us all, which is is always really nice that we can use these things that are available to us. Mm. I love a good new moon myself. That's for sure. It's it's a beautiful time in the cycle, isn't it, to really go in and reflect and. It can be a really lovely time just to kind of take a pause and and yeah and and do what you need to do whether that's kind of reflect or, or pause and um to to wander off topic just a bit again in the in the kitchen which book there's a whole there was an ancient Greek ritual that they did every new moon and they would um, 
kind of the day before the new moon, they would clean out the house, they would kind of spruce everything up nicely. And then on the new moon, they would offer up a meal to the goddess Hecate as a kind of mm-hmm. an offering to seek kind of good favor for the coming month to to appease her and apologize for anything if they felt they'd done anything wrong. Um, <laughs> and, you know, she was kind of a fearsome goddess. So this was a real mm-hmm. kind of important time. And it uh, was, you know, very much considered... Um, you know, vital to well-being that, you know, you didn't annoy this goddess. So, um, and that was every new moon. And it's just, gosh, what a wonderful way to kind of just reset every new moon. So the idea of, of ritual uh, of some kind with the new moon is, is very, very old and uh, and something that we can use, use if we wish. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sure our listeners are just going to get online and pre-order your book because I know (laughs) I will be, that's for sure. (laughs) I cannot wait to read it. And do you have anything else brewing that you'd love to share with our podcast coven? And also how can everyone find you and your amazing work? Um, So as I said to you guys, uh, I think before we started recording, um, in honour of the kind of the pre-orders of the books at Womancraft, all the authors kind of uh, create little bonuses, little kind of joyful extras as a kind of a, a big thank you to people who pre-order the books. Um, so I I created a little kind of recipe book all about honey, uh, which I really enjoy doing. And it's this beautiful idea of honey is a kind of like gold, you know, bees are like little mm. alchemists and they create yeah. this gold and we can do beautiful things with it. So I created this lovely little book about honey and I recorded a couple of the, the fairy tales. I kind of read them and created little audio files. So that's what I have done recently as kind of offerings to people who pre-order Kitchen Witch. And also it's just, it was fun to read the stories out. A lot of the yeah. stories are kind of, you know, for a long time they were just, you know, they were oral stories and they were carried by voice alone. So it was lovely to kind of, to do that and 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 uh, kind of to speak these these magical words aloud. So, um, so that's what I've been brewing recently and it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then... Um, Let's see. Uh, so if you want to, let me focus. If you want to pre-order <laughs> the book, um, you can go direct to my publisher, which is womancraftpublishing.com. Um, and you can pre-order direct from them. Uh, same publishing house as the wonderful Lucy H. Pierce, who you had on a few weeks ago. And she spoke about Burning Room, which was gorgeous. Um, and just actually just go to womancraftpublishing.com because honestly, the books, so many beautiful books about the divine feminine, beautiful uh, little goddess figurines and things. So it's just, it's a fun place to be. So just head over to Womancraft Publishing. That's great. Um, and then uh, if you want to see more from my blog, which is where the beer goddesses section was, um, <laughs> yeah. you can just head over to uh, my homepage, which is sentiayoga.com, which is S-E-N-T-I-A yoga. Um, and Sentia was a kind of a little known Roman goddess. Uh, so I kind of bought her in a long time ago, just as a little kind of nod to the goddesses. Um, and then from my from that uh, website, you'll find everything else that I do. So it's the social media, the YouTube channels where you can do yoga with me. Um, I do free Zoom classes um, from the journey for that. So there's all sorts of stuff going on. But if you head to the website, that'll kind of take you all to those places. <laughs> and we'll include those links in the show notes for this episode as well. That would be wonderful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> We'll see you on the mat. (laughs) Yes, Yes. exactly. We'll all meet on the mat and we'll raise magic. (laughs) Oh, I love that. It was funny, actually, this morning I was chatting to Laura. We were saying maybe we should, like, do this podcast on our yoga mats. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, this, so yeah, I could be like, right, everyone, let's get into, yeah. you know, reclining <laughs> goddess pose and let's talk about, because yeah. that'd be so fun. Uh, yeah, we should next time, <laughs> next time. <laughs> next time. I love it. Get the bolsters out and this is lounge. Oh, so good. <laughs> We'll book that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Sarah. It has been such a delight talking with you. And yeah, we can't wait to get this episode out in everyone's ear holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sarah loves to say. I know. It's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely now, phrase. It's tough not to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross, but it's stuck. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute honor to talk to you. It's been really lovely. And you've had so many beautiful and inspirational women on this podcast. It's a real. It's a joy to listen to. So I'm a big fan of the podcast. Uh, Yay. And then, to, yeah, to be on it is, is both a joy and an honour and totally nerve-wracking as well. Like, oh, my oh, God. I'm, I'm here. You're here. <laughs> you made it. I made it. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thank you to all of our beautiful listeners. And we will see you again next week. <laughs>